0: Welcome to the My Buddy Green podcast. I'm Jason Wachib, founder and co CEO of My Buddy Green, and your host. Dr. Bernard Beitman is a graduate of Yale Medical School and did his psychiatric residency at Stanford. He's the former chair of psychiatry of the University of Missouri Columbia Medical and a prolific contributor to psychology today. Bernard is also the founder of the Coincidence Project and is here to chat about his new book meaningful coincidences, how and why synchronicity and serendipity happen, which was also just profiled in the Wall Street Journal. You just told me about that. And I'll also call out that you were colleagues at the University of Virginia with, with two, two former guests, Jim Tucker and Bruce Grayson, in the incredible and very intriguing Department of Paranormal
1: Sciences. I, uh, th- right? I wish it was. It's a division of perceptual studies.
0: Division of Percept Paranormal, I feel like that, that, that's Ghostbusters. I went to Ghostbusters territory. You
1: did, you did. And and that's why the the chairman from a while ago said the, the Division of Perceptual Studies to kind of hide the parapsychological part of it.
0: <laughs> I love it. I love it. So I, I thought your book was so interesting. Um, and I'm curious, how does one become an expert in coincidences, I assume it you know—it played a significant role in your life that you made the decision along the way to say, hey, I'm going to specialize in this.
1: It helps to be comfortable being weird, <laughs> because it isn't exactly the mainstream, but it also is being comfortable believing what I'm seeing, so that I began to see coincidence after coincidence in my life, and some of them were very dramatic, so I started wondering... Do other people have coincidences like this? I heard stories, read about, read books, but I, in 2006, I developed with the help of some researchers, the weird coincidence survey, which you can take uh, on my website, which is coinciders.com, C-O-I-N-C-I-D-E-R-S, coinciders.com, where you can take the weird coincidence survey to see how sensitive you are to coincidences. The reason I did the survey in the first place was to find out how common are these things and what are the most common ones. And we did a 1,000 people at the University of Missouri in Columbia, and we came up with some answers which pretty much said, hey, weird coincidences commonly occur. That was my first scientific kind of way of approaching it. But after that, it was like trying to figure it out.
0: So I I have a lot to unpack there. So let's start start with, you know, you you mentioned, before we go to common types, because you mentioned common types of coincidences, let's take a step back. How do you define coincidence?
1: Well, good. That's the beginning of the book. And we should start there because I start there. And that's what do we The words that are so important to define are first coincidence and specifically meaningful coincidence, and then serendipity and synchronicity. Uh, I get asked pretty regularly, "Hey Bernie, how come you didn't just call it synchronicity?" And some people say, "How come you just didn't call it serendipity?" Well, that's why, because people use those two words to cover the same some of the same territory. So, coincidence covers both serendipity and synchronicity, and by coincidence, I mean two events that appear to be unrelated come together in a way that's not well explained, but might have an explanation in a surprising and hard to understand way that seems to be meaningful. Two events, separate.
0: So what's an example of that in your own life?
1: My favorite, one of my favorites was, uh, I played football at Swarthmore College and uh, I was a running back and we were playing Johns Hopkins on Saturday. Uh, and on Thursday at the practice field, I took a, a football and two practice dummies and set the practice dummies up on a different field adjacent to the pra- big practice field, turned around about 10 yards away from the two practice dummies that were like this next to each other, not touching. I turned around and then turned back around with the football like this and ran between the two dummies. I did it again, and then went back and played with the guys. Two days later, I was trying to return punts against Johns Hopkins, and I was mad because the punter was was kicking the ball short, so I couldn't run it back. Then I heard, oh, and he kicks a great punt, and I had to turn uh, turn around and catch it over my shoulder because they were coming from that direction. I cut it over my shoulder. I turn around, and... There are two guys coming right at me, right next to each other, just like the practice dummies. I ran straight through them at the, about the 10-yard line and went 90 yards for a touchdown. Wow.
0: Okay. So to me also, that touches on visualization and preparation.
1: Very much so. You ain't going to do something like that without being ready to do it. I mean, I love running back kickoffs and punts. So I would imagine doing that quite a bit. Walk us through.
0: So, okay. the uh, if coincidence is the umbrella term, you know, you mentioned synchronicity, serendipity, and then there are other couple in the book I want to call it. I thought they were interesting. Serial, seriality, in very passing, right? seriality, very important one, and then s- simulpathity, which you coined. Yes. Walk us through each yes. one, and, and then give us an so example. So let's
1: start with coincidence. Uh, the word coincidence is a neutral term, and it is it is defined by its adjective in the current circumstance. So there are a lot of people say. It's a mere coincidence or only a coincidence or just a coincidence. And by that, they imply it's random. It's just kind of something that happened. If you put meaningful or amazing in front of it, then it begins to have some kind of like personal meaning to the person experiencing it. So a meaningful coincidence versus a mere coincidence is an important distinction. And I'm the title of my book is Meaningful Coincidence, so I'm talking about the, that subgroup. But I mentioned randomness in it, too. Is, that's important. Synchronicity was a, is a term coined by Carl Jung, uh, and he didn't mean meaningful coincidence when he ta- coined the term, although that's the way it's used now. Synchronicity tends to be used as a meaningful coincidence, but he was, he was using the term as an a causal connecting principle. He was using synchronicity as a way of explaining meaningful coincidences. But now we know it's now we the common usage as words change is refers to meaningful coincidences. And for Jungians, particularly strict Jungians, meaningful coincidences or synchronicity specifically means a coincidence that helps you grow psychologically, spiritually, and interpersonally. So it's a psychological Tends to be a psychological idea, spiritual idea. Jung was very spiritual and was a psychotherapist, obviously. But it's used in other ways, and serendipity is a a, a word that is summarized by happy accidents, uh, coined by Horace Walpole in, in the eighteen hundreds, seventeen hundreds, um, and it, he could Horace Walpole could find things he was looking for in kind of strange ways. Uh, and happy accidents is a way of describing looking for something and finding it in a way that you didn't think you were going to find it. You weren't trying to find it, and there it was. And the other use of serendipity is not looking for anything, but just having to see something and seeing the significance of it. A lot of medical research and Nobel laureates and uh, as well, have come across their, their discoveries by happy accidents. But then they say, well, we did this protocol and we did it this way because they wanted to sound like they did it in a scientific way. No, somebody turned on the, the, the stove with something a guy was working on uh, overnight and he just left it on the stove, but the maid turned it on and that gave him a way of, uh, of, of being able to see se- cell structure more accurately. It's, like it's by accident. And then what about seriality and
0: simultaneity?
1: Seriality differs from uh, serendipity and synchronicity in that with synchronicity and serendipity, you have a thought in your mind, like I have this, this idea about these two tackling dummies and what might happen on, on Saturday. It's in my mind. It's only me doing it. Nobody else is seeing it. And then running for 90 yards, somebody else could see. So there's a mental event and an an objective event that other people can see. And those are true in both serendipity and synchronicity. But with seriality, it's like everybody who wanted to look can see. For example, uh, we just heard one about um, uh, a bird uh, that was a particular kind of bird that was present in several different people's lives, reported to one person around the same time, the blue, the great blue heron was a signal of death for many different people talking in the same time in our coincidence cafe. We have a coincidence cafe once a month where people who want to talk about coincidences talk about coincidences. And that's where this past Saturday, lots of stories about the great blue heron. And everybody could see a great blue heron and, and know that somebody died. So these are objective events. It's, searing, it's seeing a great blue heron several times that makes it a series. thymopathy thymopathy is, I'm going to... I'm going to I like to try to to see what what your parapsychological background is for with this question. It's feeling the pain of a loved one at a distance, feeling the emotions of someone that you care about and who cares about you or you have a connection, usually, not always, but usually, you feel something, and that's same time that other person is maybe dying or having a great pain. Um, what was the parapsychological term for that at one time? ESP? Telepathy. Oh, yeah. Tele being at a distance and pathy being feeling. So telepathy became much more cognitive, much more about thoughts and images. So this feeling of the pain of a loved one at a distance, the original definition, got lost. And I put in simulpathity, the feeling, again, simul at the same time, pathy feeling.
0: And so of this group, what's the most common
1: the most common one, whether you call it whether you call it any of the other th- three or any of the three of them, is having an I- a thought, an image, a, an idea in your mind, and having matched by something in your environment. That mind environment connection is the most common.
0: So, example being, you're thinking of a friend, and then and then the friend reaches out. Would that be an example? Yes, sir. To, to me, one of the questions here is, how do we, or should we, make meaning of the coincidence? You know, on one hand, you know, as you said, sometimes it's just a coincidence. On the other hand, there's real meaning. And h- how do you think about that?
1: I think about man's search for meaning. <laughs> <laughs> I think about the human need to find meaning. Now let's Let's talk about meaning for a minute. What do we mean by meaning? What do you mean by meaning?
0: When I think about meaning in this context, I think about uh, having a a data point, if you will like that this is the, and and taking that data point and then making a you know taking an actionable insight
1: and picking versus what?
0: and and taking an act like having an actionable insight
1: an actionable that's important okay
0: actionable yes. insight. That's how I think about like, I'm seeing something, I'm taking it in and then I'm taking a mental note versus like, you know, versus just, just missing it you, and putting it off. To the so top.
1: for you, if you have a coincidence, you want to see if there's an actionable data point from it. Yeah.
0: And I've experienced all these things. And so I, I'm very open to this concept, but I, I think what, where, where I'm going is I think for some people, my guess is our audience is probably very open to all of these concepts, but I think it can also become overwhelming and quickly spiral into you know. I don't knock astrology or numerology or all those. You know, everything has its place, but almost this this constant searching, if you absolutely, will, which can be paralyzed.
1: Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. That that happens. People start looking for coincidences. The funny thing is some people who are looking for them don't find them, and they get upset about not being able to find them. The bell-shaped curve applies here, the normal curve, so that there are some people who overdo it, and they see patterns that aren't there. And there are some people who don't see the patterns that are there on the other ends of the continuum. And there are various frequencies in between, it's very possible it's very possible to overdo and to underdo a lot of things and this is true of coincidences as well
0: how, how do we find that happy medium between overanalyzing a coincidence that doesn't really have meaning versus you know finding trying to find meaning in every coincidence we see on a daily basis
1: i don't find many people caught up in that problem first uh, the ones who overdo it uh, are a very important group for me as a psychiatrist because some of them show up at, in mental health people's offices where they see too many coincidences and they drive them crazy. I did a post in Psychology Today about that, a couple of them, of, and there are three categories for me in that, and some people are are in having a manic episode or being or schizophrenic, having a psychotic episode of some kind. That's true. Some of them are having a psychotic episode, like a psychiatrist who was manic it was having a manic episode, but he also had some good insights with it. And then there was some guy who was like a, a musician in Texas. And he was going wild, man, with his coincidence. He was going, he was having a great time. And he said that he flew up in the air and came down on a car and was talking real fast. And they put him into a mental hospital and they wanted to put him on lithium. And he said, he didn't need that. He was all right.
0: (laughs) Well, Well, let me, let me ask it a different way. In the same way, this isn't probably the best example, but let's go with it. That, you know, most people require, you know, seven to nine hours of sleep. Experience that. Do do most people experience a certain number of coincidences on a weekly or monthly basis in your research, or does it? I I know it's not a good. I'm just going to go with it.
1: Go with it. I guess. I mean, because I I was just running across that question recently in a different way. Yeah. Well, there are lots of coincidences. Simply said, because there's a lot of crossing. You you cross the street. That's that's a coincidence. Uh, You go to the grocery store and buy something. That's a coincidence. But they're not they're not meaningful. You know what you're doing you know what caused it. A key part of a coincidence is whether you know how it's been caused. Once you have a cause for it, then it's no longer a coincidence, as I try to suggest at the beginning. If you have an explanation, there's no coincidence. So some people say there are no coincidences because it's all random. They have an answer. Other people say there are no coincidences because it's all God. So there are no coincidences. So everything is arranged randomly or by God. It's a nice, simple way of thinking about the world, but it isn't that way. So there are a lot of other things happening during the week. So how do you know which ones to pay attention to? That's your question. And I got the worst review on my Amazon, on Amazon from my book by someone who was just saying just what you're saying. It's like, hey, there's all these coincidences and you didn't address how you pick out which ones to pay attention to. So it's, I don't know how it happened, but you have just asked the question that bothered this person the most. So I think that's great because i it's something that wasn't, wasn't in the book. She got really mad about it. Gave me a one on it because uh, I didn't do what she wanted. You can't do it all rationally, which is what she wanted. You can't do it all by analyzing in the moment. Our rational minds, as you know, are, are a bit limited. We have to use our right brain or intuition or subconscious, whatever you want to call it, to be able to recognize, to have an alert that this feeling I'm having right now or this sense I have now or this surprise I have now means maybe I should look a little further. So you have to use your own ability to respond to your inner understanding of what this thing looks like. It doesn't it's not always rational. And so to that point,
0: you know, what do you think? is is driving a coincidence uh-oh. is it is it uh-oh. is it can you hear me i hear
1: you no i it's the, i'm oh to your question
0: you know is it you know what is your personal opinion is it is it is it god or or some supreme being is it complete randomness uh
1: is it a simulation please add that one is it a
0: simula is it a simulation you gotta know about all, that one you I know mean. Well, no i don't what is that a conspiracy theory mm-hmm.
1: The thinking of conspiracy theory and coincidences are somewhat similar, except with coincidences, data makes a difference. With conspiracy theory, you want stuff to prove what you know, what you believe. That's that's a big difference. No, the the idea is is what you believe has a lot to do with what you think causes coincidences, and that's that's why I'm asking you first. To me. I, I do my take
0: is faith does play a significant role here. And what does faith I think faith plays a significant role i think I think I think generally speaking if if you're open to coincidence, synchronicity, serendipity, that there there is a supreme being or a larger force other than you driving things, you're you're more open to that. On the other hand, if you're not, you are probably not going to be open. To finding meaning in something that seems
1: random. Confirmed by our research. People who were to find themselves as spiritual were the most open to coincidence, reported the most of them, and religious people recorded a lot of them also. And those who were not so much did not. So that's right. If you're open to them, you see them. So you mentioned the data. What else does the data say about coincidences? In a way
0: that you know, because I think that's important. It's not just you know you're you're hanging out talking to people who have you know severe mental health issues, like the musician who's you know flying. Uh, you know, there, there's some real data and research here.
1: Yeah, uh, and out of Johns Hopkins, uh, where they're doing psychedelics with uh, depression and other things, um, one of the researchers reports that. Uh, that seeing a lot of coincidences uh, helps people feel better. They feel more connected, more involved. Uh, they it it's a positive experience for them. And I didn't I didn't have that question quite in my research. My my research tried to say who like as you were asking who is more likely to see a coincidence. What kind of personalities uh, seem to contribute and. Being spiritual and religious was a start, but we used some pretty standard uh, personality questions, and found out the uh, as it seems obvious when you think about it, but it's, it's a lot of things seem obvious only when you find out, when you think about it, is that the the people who see the most coincidences have a personality that is self-referential. That is, they see things that it's a, that's about them. It's like people who are depressed saying, It's all my fault or grandiosity people who think I'm the most wonderful, you got to like think I'm wonderful. They're self-referential psychiatrically, but there's a continuum of that too. So people who tend to think, oh, they're talking about me over there when two people are talking, that's self-referential too. So the tendency to see connections between external events and internal events is fundamental to uh, seeing coincidences. And so that personality type we have shown is most likely to be able to see them. To me, there's definitely, hearing you speak just now, to me there seems to be a very strong
0: connection with conspiracy theorists.
1: It is, and it's in my book too. I, I try to be able to, to say that. And the difference is that with uh, meaningful coincidences, we may look at the data, but people who think that it's random is very much like conspiracy theorists, a statistician at uh, Cambridge University in England, uh, I, I, was a a guest of mine on my podcast and we're talking about coincidence. And he says, you know, trying to understand what causes coincidences is bad for your mental health. And And he's saying that to me, I'm a psychiatrist. Well, okay. Uh, he knew, he knew it's all random. He knew that. So, so coming back to
0: my earlier question, I'll use an example. You played football. I played basketball in college. And with basketball, you know there are if you're seven feet tall and you're extraordinarily quick, and you you th- those are gifts. Like you have, uh, you know, more potential if you will versus someone who's six feet tall and, and maybe slow. That that person who's six feet could work really hard, but they're going to be capped. The seven footer is quick, like inherently has an advantage. Do you think about? coincidences in that some people have an, an advantage whether it be genetics or their upbringing or faith where they're just more inclined to experience more coincidences even if they don't really try same way if seven foot are quick maybe doesn't have to try as hard as the person who's six feet tall and, and, and slow and and maybe there's someone out there who has to work really hard are there advantages there
1: yeah uh, yes I think that's good uh, I think that's a good way of thinking about it uh, that Coming out of the womb, we don't test yet. Uh, it's really hard to do that one. But I think there are predis- people are predisposed to see them partly by their family environment. I ran into somebody at the Department of Motor Vehicles that we were delayed. We started talking and she could trust me to tell me all her weird coincidences, but she can't tell anybody about them because her family knew that these things happened, but outside she couldn't. So she was glad to be able to talk with me about me about it. So she, she experiences lots of them from her family. Some people get to experience a lot of them because one of them like smacks them in the face. Uh, like I'm choking. I'm choking in San Francisco on something. I don't know what it was, 11 a.m. And I found out the next day at 11 p.m. rather, San Francisco time, and I found out the next day, at the same time I'm choking uncontrollably, my father is choking on his own blood and dying, 2 a.m. in Wilmington, Delaware. And that was uh, a one that really smacked me. Uh, that, that helped me get going. It's one of the two inspirations for my doing this book and writing about it. What's the other story? Well, the other story was uh, when I was eight or nine, I came home from elementary school on my bike, and I didn't see my dog. Snapper was his name. I said, hey, mom, where's Snapper? She said, I don't know. Go to the police station. Maybe they know. Thank you for raising your eyebrows. A lot of people don't even react to that because I've wondered how come my mother came up with that one. I thought it was to defer the problem, (laughs) but who knows? So I got back on my bike being the good boy that I was and look, my dog. So I went to the police station, had to cross this big road I never went across near my elementary school and then parked my bike at the bottom of the stairs and Walked up some stairs and opened this big door, and it ran into this big desk. And behind the big desk was this big man. And I said, "Have you seen my dog?" Um, he said, "No. Um, no, sorry, son, I haven't seen your dog." I started crying, and like like I do when I tell this story, because I still miss him. And and I went back down the stairs. Got on my bike, and I was crying, and I didn't go across the big road. I just went along the big road, and I look up. There's a dog coming towards me. He's walking like Snapper. It is Snapper. It was Snapper. So he jumps up on my leg as if to say, where have you been? And we went home. Did
0: you ever ask your mother why she told you to go to the police station?
1: I really would have have liked to. I just was so glad... I found him and he found me that I didn't even think about that anymore. You mentioned animals
0: and you mentioned your experience with your, with your father, which I think you would define, uh, how would you define that one? That is Sympathy. That was where it got. Sympathy. So in my family, so this was my, my grandfather got not know how many years ago this is long time ago. So I never met him died. Um, uh, My grandfather, my grandmother, my mother were on a family vacation in the West Coast. They were at San Francisco International Airport about to fly home. My grandfather walks in to the men's room, has a catastrophic heart attack, never walks out. And the same time, my uncle is at home with the family dog. And the dog is hollering like crazy. And they later, they more or less the same time. And so I want to touch on animals here. What is your opinion? I believe you study humans. What do you think about animals? mentioning your dog
1: i think about them a lot I, and the important thing about talking about animals at the end of my book on meaningful coincidence i talk about the collective human organism how we are all part of the same organism a human being and we don't recognize that well enough yet and that we are part of this planet and part of this planet is not just us it's the other beings on this planet and we have connections with them and the dog at home like this the dog you just mentioned who's connected with your grandfather could feel something, just like I could feel something about my father. And we ask in our survey, the weird coincidence survey, how often does this happen to you? And people said, sometimes. This is not an uncommon experience, human being wise. This is the first one I heard with a dog like this at a distance. But dogs are people too. I knew that with Snapper. I mean, he was my best friend. And I didn't know he was not a human being exactly. We just were buddies. So there's a consciousness in dogs and for me in trees and also in bugs, in bugs, you know, flying around stuff. Uh, they're, all, they're all able to communicate to us. Plants can communicate with us if we're open to that. Animals can communicate with us if we're open i ask I ask a friend of mine I was leaving his house, and I said, "I asked his dog um I ask his dog, "Are you going to be the bridesmaid at the uh, at the uh, or the flower holder at the wedding? I was just looking straight at the dog, asked the dog, and my friend says, "Yeah, how'd you know I mean the dog communicated that to me. i thought i mean it was logical'cause a variety of things, but it was still they can communicate telepathically with us.
0: I think a lot of people would appreciate and agree that there's a very strong connection between dogs and human beings. You mentioned trees and plants. So that one, I think many people may have trouble wrapping their head around. So can you talk more about the connection between trees and plants?
1: I'm surprised how sometimes people don't know what I'm trying to be able to describe happens with me and trees, for example, um, there's, uh, there are two trees that I call the king and the queen in a forest near here. And I love going out in the woods anyway. I, I, have, I have had an avocado plant, at least one, for uh, 30 or 40 years now, because I grow them from seeds and then like having them around. They're like my buddies. I've been in my psychiatric office. Now they're in where I see patients here. So I have a thing with avocado trees. So I'm walking by these trees up uh, near in, near Charlottesville, and I kind of get stopped by the trees. I turn around and start looking at these trees, and I start having conversations with them. Uh, it, at first, I don't remember how it began, um, but then the most prominent one was I'm walking by and talking with them. And this sounds also funny, but... They like me to sing to them, and there are certain songs that they like. And you can ask, how do I know that? Am I like some psychotic idiot that is kind of like making stuff up? Well, yes, to some people I am, but those trees have given me good advice and have given me a sense of connectedness with them where now I found a third one where they form a a rhombus with me where the three of them and me form this rhombus and I was up there yesterday on Saturday, and it's such a good feeling being with them. And it's such, a stra- it's such a strange feeling. It's like going to dance. I love to go to dance. And then leaving dance. The energy changes a lot. And these are my descriptions of what they do. And they tell me things, like get these two people together. That was really important for the two people to get together. So I have a
0: couple of questions. So, one: Are you talking out loud to the trees, or are you?
1: We can talk. They can't. They have other c- capacities. In some way, I think
0: you're you're channeling the the, the Emerson uh, in in us. And is it is it you know Emerson would famously like go out to the you know nature in the woods and
1: get inspiration. And get inspiration. Did he communicate with them? I don't know. I don't know. Well, they, the uh, forest, communicates with me. Well, well,
0: but I want to build off of. Go that ahead, because I think what you're what you're speaking about. You know, it's this idea that we are one, and it's it's not about. In hearing you speak, this guy out there, you know, talking to the trees. I, I think it's this idea that uh, we are one with the planet. We are one with nature. Uh, whatever religion or, or lack of religion you subscribe to, you know, a spiritual principle is, you know, we're, we're all connected. We, we are one. You know, some will say, you know, God is everywhere. Um, and so is that the case? Am I, am I reading this? Oh, the, yeah. You're, no,
1: absolutely. What, what I'm doing is defining the, the hidden currents that do the connecting and the uniting of us. Then coincidences are illuminate these hidden currents that connect and unite us.
0: Nature provides that. If you pay attention, I'll, I'll, I'll provide an example. Yeah. So, uh, a, a good friend of mine, her name is Melissa Urban. She's the the, the co-founder of Whole Thirty, which is this huge uh, nutritional program. You know, written numerous best-selling books, and every weekend she posts in her Instagram. I went to church. And it's not a picture of church, it's her hiking. She lives in Utah, it's beautiful. Hiking in the mountains. And she always said, this is my church. I go hiking and beautiful pictures. And I think what she's trying to communicate, that's her way of connecting uh, to God, to spirit, to, to, wh- to wh- however you think about it. So that, that's the, the sense I'm getting from what you're, what you're communicating.
1: Yes, and more. It's, not, it's being out there feeling with it, which is what she's communicating with her words and her pictures. I'm, I'm saying you can have a dialogue with them.
0: You're essentially very open and you're seeking guidance. And, you know, I, wh- where I'm going to go with is this idea of being open to coincidences, being open to possibilities, being very open. I believe. Is good because it presents more opportunities, <laughs> uh, and the world is—you know—sure, the world can be can be tragic, but the, the world the world can be filled with beauty, and you know where I'm going here is if you are more open to to, to these signs, if you will. Uh, I'm getting back to to being discerning, because you have a great line. You say, coincidences are signposts, not commands. Can you talk about that?
1: It's the problem of free will. A lot of people ask, do I have free will or not? And that's not the right question. It's how much do you have in a particular circumstance? Sometimes things seem to be beyond your control, and you got to just go that go that way. Sometimes you have a lot to do with what's happening. Our choices matter. What we think matters. And so when we have a coincidence, we have to decide, well, first, is this worth paying attention to, as you mentioned? that Does it have something that's operational for me? Uh, does it suggest what I might do? And sometimes they do, but sometimes they suggest things that maybe you shouldn't do. There's a trickster involved in some of these coincidences and your own interpretation of them, may be not quite what is the best thing for you, at least in the short term and long run is always something to see. So you have to decide you agency, your decision, free will, what are you going to make out of this? It's a signpost, but you don't have to take it. You don't have to follow it. It's not a command.
0: And how do you get good at that? You know, how, how do we get better? how do we make the most of coincidences, use them, use them for a force of good versus, you know, someone, someone's listening, they're, they're, they're walking, and they're talking to trees and, you know, the police officer walks by and says, <laughs> come here for a minute. Uh, you know, they're ready to take that person away. How, how do you, you know, how, how do you, how do we get better? How do we make the most of it?
1: What if you uh, were seven feet tall and you were quick? It's not enough you got to, like, take a shot. you got to dribble. you got to play better and better people. You've got to practice. And you know what happens when you practice? Sometimes you lose. You have to play games. You lose sometimes. You make the mistake. Sometimes it's you that was the problem and why your team lost. Because you took a shot when you shouldn't have or didn't pass at the right time. And you, you lost the game because the opportunity was there and you didn't take it. So the same is with coincidences, it's practice. Do you think
0: there's something to be said for when you recognize a coincidence, recognizing it and taking action, uh, do we set ourselves up for strengthening that muscle or being presented with more coincidences or if a coincidence is presented and you ignore it, it will potentially keep on coming back to you until it smacks you in the face.
1: Well, those are both right. Um, <laughs> one of the key ideas, Jason, if I could get it across somehow, is that this is not an, an, a bipolar either-or thing, the coincidence thing. There's a, there is bipolar, I mean polarity, and continuum. And a lot of times, it's both or some degree of each. For example, random plays a role in coincidences. Mystery, God, universe, plays a role in coincidences, and so do we, to varying degrees.
0: So, personally, I'll tell you my, my policy here, and I'll provide a, provide a story and, and see what you make of it. So, what I've learned, and I try to practice this, specifically with people, if I ever see someone completely out of context that I know, whether it's, well, if I really know them, I'm going to say hello anyway, but even if it's a very weak or loose connection or someone I don't know, and they've come up in a thought, I will definitely say something. The most recent example, which comes to mind because it's, it's, it's fresh. So about- Let me pause you uh, for
1: just a minute. The sure. key thing that you're saying is that you act and you say- I do. Say that is key because there's so many coincidences that probably could happen. But if you don't talk- Say hi or something, and they're not going to happen. So that's fundamental to helping them become real. This is about a
0: year and a half ago.
1: You know, at the time,
0: my wife and I, we have two little girls. We we lived we lived in Brooklyn for 13 years, and we were thinking about moving to the Miami area. And there are a couple a couple here in this the, the Miami context conversation. So you know, I am having. Actually, this, one, this one's about a year ago to the day. I'll start with this one. There were two. But a year ago to the day, I am interviewing for this podcast a woman named Dr. Lisa Miller. From Columbia
1: University. You got it. And she was in this uh, Wall Street Journal uh, article. She was quoted in there, too, her spirituality thing. She's fantastic. So
0: about a year ago, it, we're, we're like thinking about this idea of possibly moving. That We haven't really taken out. We're thinking about it. So I have this lovely conversation with her. I think of all the things, you know, in this conversation. So one, she's at Columbia. I went to Columbia, she's at the teacher's college. My maternal grandmother went to the teacher's college. She lives in Westport, Connecticut. My maternal grandmother lives in Westport, Connecticut. All these little, you know, and then, you know, have this unbelievable conversation. And we close the interview with synchronicity. You talk about synchronicity. She closes the book in synchronicity. We're talking about it and then know we turn off recording we say how much we've enjoyed the interview i tell her that i'm really struggling with staying in new york brooklyn for many of the reasons she mentions in her book you know having kids with you know well-rounded kids spiritual so forth a lot of things weren't lining up in terms of our personal values and our children but i'm thinking about moving and she starts You know talking about other other schools the new york city metropolitan area and then she you know segues to you know i'm i'm leaving soon to go down to down south and move and i said well well, where where do you live where do you live she says florida yeah i say we're we're in florida she says miami i'm like we're in miami and she says coconut grove and i just said oh my god that's that's the place that we're really thinking about moving to the t um uh, and i kind of like emotionally just like lost i was like whoa i was struggling at the time a lot was going on it was torn about you know even though it was early about whether this is the right thing and i was like wow i just was overcome with emotion um and so happens that's where she lived and that's where we moved and so a little further on in that journey we're down here and we're we're, we're looking at schools so we're down here randomly looking at schools. We're, we're here on it happened to coincide with, uh, with, with their spring break or, or winter break. And so we're randomly sitting in a cafe and there's a guy there and I'm staring at him and I, I have great facial recognition. I'm just like staring and staring. I'm like, I know this guy, I know this guy, but I can't, I can't place him. And I didn't wanna say anything at the time because I thought it was around my time years ago where it could have gone either way this could have been a good or a bad connection and i'm just staring at him staring at him I'm like i know him i know him and then we get back to the hotel and i was like oh it clicked uh a friend of mine james brennan maybe maybe he's listening he's also a health and wellness entrepreneur he was one of the co-founders of suja the very successful juice company in kopari and i email him right away i say w- was it just you and Pure vita I- I- I think it was you. And he said, yeah, that's me. And I said, you know, we're thinking about moving here. We're looking at schools. Call me. And I had no idea. He had moved from La Jolla, California, moved from La Jolla to Miami. And we talk about schools. And it turned out a couple months later when we were had some options with schools, he had a very his impact was meaningful in terms of helping us come to the right decision in terms of what school we ended up on. And like it never would have happened. Those are like two that come to mind with where we, where we landed, which were very meaningful to me. But h- how would you? I guess I have a couple questions. One, I'm just sharing my experiences. You know, we're we're in Miami, we live in Coconut Grove, and I actually end up at the school where James's kids go to school, and we're extraordinarily happy. What I experienced, in, in your opinion, is that common? Yes, it feels. And how do we get? How do we get more of it? It feels. <laughs> yes, it
1: it feels like just you as as i was doing with my father and the choking it feels like just you but these are i think these are happening more jason now I've, with all the turmoil going on now these kinds of things are are happening more we can look at why it might have happened you're you're in the same similar socioeconomic group and so you travel on the same planes but that's just a probability thing when you think about the probability. But to answer your question about running into people randomly at cafe and schools and stuff, yes, that's and that they, they impact you. Those are common. Well, well, do you think
0: it's, and again, this is my experience, whenever I've been in a, an impasse or a crossroads, crossroads with a major life decision, I would say I've had similar experiences where, 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 there, where there is a sign, if you will. But I also think I'm open to it, and I think over time, going back to the basketball analogy, over time I've developed the muscle. I work at it. With all that said, I do want to give people some homework, if you will. You know, we'll talk about you know food here all the time, and I'll say, give me your grocery list or exercise. Well, what can someone do? If someone's listening and they're and they're saying, you know what, I I want to I want to get better at this. What are the steps that one can take? Every day, you know, five or ten minutes or whatever it might look. What does that look like for someone who's saying, you know
1: what? I I could use a little bit more synchronicity in my life. You mentioned during times of transition you see more of them? Did I hear you correctly? Yes. For me. No. Common. One (laughs) you ain't that special, and I've had to learn that myself. (laughs) (laughs) You ain't that special. If it's happening to you, it's happening to of somebody else right now or has happened or will. And that's that's just simultaneous independent discoveries, which is another thing we can talk about. But we are all connected, meaning that we are having similar weird experiences but just don't know it. And my job is to kind of say, Jason, yeah, these are common. These things that you went through are dramatic to you and dramatic to others. So how do you increase the likelihood Well, first, if we've done our job here, Jason, we're saying to people, hey, these things may be useful to you. That's the start. These things may be useful. So it's worth becoming sensitive to them, to being able to be open to them. You have to believe that they're useful. So believing is seeing a lot of the times, not just seeing is believing. If you believe they're useful, that's the first step to be able to do that then it's to be able to make connections between what's in your mind and what's outside of your mind because there's usually parallels there. I'm looking for a place. This guy's looking for a place. Oh, it happens to be the same place. Wow. So that that's, looks like a guide. It's not a command. So you look for similarities. Two of the other best ways of increasing them is to be able to write them down and see the patterns Write that, take a coincidence diary. You'll see yourself reflected in them. And the other is to tell each other the way you are telling me and I am telling you tell each other coincidence stories because we get to hear people saying, Oh, this is my story. And then you hear somebody saying, Oh, that's my story too. Or I've got one just like that. So you, you become confirmed in the idea that you're not crazy. I'm i was confident enough in my observations that i thought there was something there and they were so meaningful emotionally my dog and my father that they meant something feeling wise to me so when you start having feelings about them as they keep repeating as you have about coral about coconut grove those begin to sensitize you and open you up to looking for them but there looks like there's another way of doing it too. Those of, those of us who are on recognizable spiritual journeys, or rather I call them psycho-spiritual journeys, uh, I call it psychological because we need to know ourselves and we need to be able to get along with each other better than we do. And that's a big problem in the world. Spiritual development is part of psychological development. The more you open your heart, the more likely you will be walking in a way, in a flow of sorts, and you will see more coincidences in that flow.
0: I want to come back to the science again. Something I thought was so interesting, you touched on the book. Psy-mediated instrumental responses, or PMIR, which came out of Stanford, so pretty credible, I would say.
1: Yeah, Rex Stanford was a parapsychology researcher who was president of the the parapsychology association who came up with that idea psi-mediated instrumental response means something psi telepathy clairvoyance precognition comes into you i mean you don't know it so consciously maybe and then you act on it you respond and then it works psi-mediated instrumental it works response Well, that's kind of a nice way of obscuring the basic idea. Uh, Stanford did research to show that this happens, which means you can walk, drive, go to places without knowing quite why you're going there, and you will see something, you will experience something that's valuable to you. So it's beyond our consciousness it's our subconscious or intuition kind of guiding us to where we need to be, kind of like birds f- flying to the right place. We are we have our own internal GPS capacities, spotting where we need to be and getting there without planning it rationally. Does novelty play a role here? Novelty is very important. What do you what do you think that how do you think novelty is part of this? Well, I
0: I, I think in terms of probability you're going to open yourself up to more coincidences or, you know, if you experience more settings. Yes. If you take a different path. Like if you if you walk the same way to work every day or, or wherever you're walking every day, you're going to probably see the same people every time, the same stores, the same dogs, whatever may have you. But if you go 10 different ways, you'll experience 10 different
1: things. That's, you open yourself that, up to- that's why it's a good idea to get lost every once in a while. Because that's what's going to happen. Yes. And there's good data from the serendipity researchers that this is absolutely true. The richer the environment, the more likely you will have serendipity happen. And you get rich environments by going to different places, not just the one that you know. So that would make the case for
0: being in an urban environment, although we want some trees. You know, if we want to connect with nature and, and, and help. And ask nature to help us with some of some of our, our problems. You need some trees. Um, but that would suggest an urban environment versus rural.
1: If um no? There are some environments that are more conducive to some kinds of coincidences than others. And the urban environment, I get that little part of with going to dance, where there is a group of people, and the interactions are like confounded in numbers and the things that happen between us on the dance floor are pretty amazing. So in an urban environment, there's still a lot of stimulation. The trouble can be too much stimulation. So you turn your, way, your eyes away from it because you're getting too much coming at you. Too much is, doesn't allow you to have it happen either. And too little doesn't either.
0: Of all the studies, of all the research, is there one that stands above the rest in your opinion?
1: There has not been much research in synchronicity. Uh, there's a lot on serendipity, but they're pretty narrow. I think my book is the best research thing there is on the subject. That's, and that's. I'm. I'm not the only. I, I mean, it's hard for me to say that because I don't like to, to, you know, pump my own thing. But I think I put together this field better than anybody else has, including things from research, ideas from research, and personal experiences of me and other people there there's nothing that stands out as a synchronicity serendipity research thing that uh is better than what i've put together i think
0: you are the guy when, when i when i got your book and i started doing some googling i said i am speaking to the guy and this is the guy this is the coincidence guy <laughs> um with that said though within your own research has something stood out whether it's a, an anecdote or something yeah, yeah I'll start is there is there, there something yeah, just really d- st- quite stood definitely
1: out I'd let, uh, thank you for asking that question in the latter part of the book there are there are six cases that are hard to explain six synchronicity cases that are hard to explain and uh, one of them uh, has to do with the two Laura Buxtons and these are two little girl two ten year old girls and i'm going to tell the story but only after i lead into that with how my model of telepathy works i'm talking with somebody the other day and she misses her boyfriend they've been separated for a long time and she's got <coughs> so she can't stand being without him so she says she sends smoke signals to him and then he comes back and they they've been separated for quite a while he comes back and she thought the smoke signals did it Well, I have a model for how that works. Uh, You have the woman and the man, and you have each of them having a higher self. And each one is connected to its higher higher self, her to her higher self, him to his higher self. And the more emotional connection they have between them, the stronger the connection of the two higher selves up in what I call the psychosphere, our mental atmosphere, which we could talk about as well. So it's a, it's a kind of a rectangle. that kind of moves around a lot. It's not, it's just a general shape of that. So she sent it up to her higher self, which connected to his higher self, which connected to his lower self and got him to go talk with her. That's my simple model. And the reason why I mentioned the girls in the balloon is that they did something very similar on the, on this three-dimensional plane. 50th wedding anniversary of one of the girls grandfather and his wife and the grandfather who loves his granddaughter laura and was very disturbed that she had no friends sent up into the air a helium balloon that had on it a tag that says please return to laura buxton so this balloon went up in the air and traveled 140 miles this is in england 140 mi- a balloon traveling 140 miles, that's hard to explain, and landed in a bush near another 10-year-old girl named Laura Buxton, who was also looking for a friend. So the parents were so amazed by this coincidence that they brought them together. So I hope I'm able to show you that this was another rectangle acted, acting out on this plane. So
0: <laughs> that is interesting. So do you think the scientific community takes coincidences seriously enough?
1: Well, that's where we all got a job, Jason. (laughs) Look, I went to Yale and Stanford. I wrote a book. Yes, as you said. So, I mean, I, I got qualification of a chair of a psychiatry department. You know, I'm supposed to know something in this. And I haven't gone off the deep end that I can tell, but I have tried to say something. About how coincidences are useful during psychotherapy, for example, and there's data to show that. There's data to show that
0: yeah, where I'm going with this is, you know, I was joking before the show, you know, we've had jim Jim Tucker and Bruce Grayson, and now you you're all working out of Charlottesville, and it seems like UVA is like the only institution that that actually is open to this type of work, which is outside the box, if you will, and, and unexplainable. In regular scientific terms. Exactly, and I think some of the, my struggles with science is sometimes it's not black and white. Sometimes there's gray. Sometimes we don't know why someone recovered over here and this person you know, didn't, and science can't explain it. And I think that, that's, and I think even people in the scientific community would argue that that's the problem with science right now. And furthermore, that there's a little bit of a issue in the scientific community where there's a you know a consensus that says this is the way for everybody. Period. And 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 you're different. I'm different. Our listeners are different in terms of our our our, our bodies, your unique needs, bio individuality. Believe in that. And that's a
1: struggle with science right now. Where Hey, this
0: one thing everyone has to do, and here's the rule. I've got a a question
1: for you about this, uh, because I want to see if you see something that I see. Do you pay attention to interpersonal energy? Yes and no. I I think the
0: way I would describe my interaction with energy is there are some people who I'm around, who I like to be around and have great energy, and other people where I, I would describe their energy as a little bit more frenetic and unpleasant. And then there's most everyone is kind of in the middle, here nor there. That's how I would describe my... Well, the reason I asked, you
1: talked about uniqueness of individuals. I've come to believe or make a hypothesis that we each have an energy signature, kind of like our fingerprints, that, that are more subtle than just feeling good and bad. They are there. But there are... There are energy frequencies among and between people that are very, very compatible. Like your discussion with Lisa Miller sounded like just great. I mean, the two of you are like vibing together uh, in a way that I could feel it was really nice. And sometimes that happens with people and sometimes it doesn't. And I'm looking at energy signature as a part of the variable of that. That's why I ask.
0: Sure. So in closing, well, what's your hope of the book?
1: Well, the science question that you were asking earlier, and then I'll, it's is directly related, um, that science, unfortunately, has gotten beyond the asking questions thing, which is what science really is, uh, about ways to ask questions. Uh, and the scientific method is what we're talking about. But science has become this kind of belief system which rejects uh, near-death experiences, which rejects reincarnation. But I'm to get now to what I'm doing. Coincidences aren't as rare experiences as NDEs and uh, reincarnation possibilities. They happen a lot, and they're pretty common. And they become portals to uh, new realities—the realities that a lot of us know exist out there. I'm do. I like to do the forest speaks to me one. That's the one I go for or the energy in the dance floor, those are ones I know, but we each have a way of migrating ourselves into higher consciousness and expanding what we learn to other people. So finding the way you do that is what I'm trying to help people do to see that coincidences are a ways that we can find out how to connect with each other and how to connect with ourselves and how to develop spiritually and psychologically.
0: Well, fascinating read and and bernard thank you so much for all the incredible work you're doing
1: thank you very much jason it's it's a pleasure talking with you you got some good ideas in there
0: thank you i try i try